Thanks for joining us today with another podcast from New Hope Church. We hope that you enjoy what we have for you today and find it encouraging and uplifting. If you ever want to learn more information about New Hope Church, please visit us online at myhope.life. We'd love to get to know you. Have a wonderful day and God bless. Like whenever you come and you begin to worship God and you just lift up his name and you begin to feel the presence of God I, I just think like I, I'm not worthy of feeling the presence of God but oh God you're so good you're so great I thank you God you just lift your hands if you feel comfortable right now why don't you just lift your hands and let's just love him God we thank you God, thank you for touching me today, God. Thank you that your spirit would be here today, God, to minister to me, God. I thank you, God, for the presence that I feel in this place, God. I pray that you would go before us today, God, that you would move in our lives today. In Jesus' name, And everybody said amen. Amen. Well, I'm going to dismiss the kids to Sunday school. And while the kids are going to Sunday school, I'm going to tell you about... The announcements that I have. Um, if you have been following along with Corinthians, or maybe you haven't, and you just want to start, the questions for 1 Corinthians chapter 5 are out there. And if you're like, oh, I missed four chapters of Corinthians, is there any way I can get the questions? If you ask me, I'm super nice, and I will print them off for you. <laughs> That's how you know I'm a nice guy. But on Tuesday night, we have Bible study at 630 be a good time um, if you want to learn more about the Bible. It's a great opportunity. Um, I said it last week. I'll say it again. You don't have to be a theologian to study the Bible. You don't have to understand everything in the Bible to study the Bible. And I will tell you first, I don't know everything in the Bible. And this has been a really good study for me, too. So uh, you don't have to be an expert. You don't have to be like, well, I, I don't know that. I don't know this. That's okay. If you come, you'll learn something, I promise. <laughs> and if you come and you're like, well, my thought wasn't as good as that person's thought. We're not comparing thoughts. Um, it, the whole purpose is, is like, this is what I understood in the scripture. Perfect. That is exactly what we want because what you understood may not be something that I understood. But like, let's make sure it aligns with the word of God and it's a way that we can sharpen each other as we study the word of God. Um, and then the most exciting time of the year is our annual business meeting on March 21st at 6.30 p.m., you're going to want to be there for that. <clears throat> Riveting excitement. Actually, um, always is, you know. Um, but uh, this year should be pretty cut and dry, pretty easy, quick, and painless. Who knows? You might even be able to have Bible study that night. But the plan is always that we just, uh, the business meeting is just what we do on that night. We take the time to do it and uh, take care of it, get all the business stuff done. If you're not able to make it and you're like, well, I want to know about what's going on in the church, um, just ask me, and uh, after the and before the business meeting, even I can give you all of the stuff that I will give at the business meeting. So we don't live stream the business meeting, um, but uh, you can certainly ask for any questions or anything like that. So the last thing is this week on Wednesday we have youth group. Who's the youth in the house today? No one. Okay, they're all they're all old, I guess. Millie and Noah are like me. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to be here. Zach didn't cancel church. <laughs> oh, man. I had to get out and shovel the driveway this morning for mom and dad. Like, it's not fair. <laughs> Don't worry, I had to do it too. <laughs> for myself. <laughs> uh, I jokingly thought, you know, this is a perfect day. Like, daylight savings. You lose the hour, but you also have to clear out the driveway so you're awake. You know, by the time you get to church, you should be good to go. Kind of. <laughs> kind of. Amen. Quiet. <laughs> like, because it's 10 o'clock, Zach. <laughs> All right, let's get into this. So I have a series that we're going to start into, and it's going to run over Easter. And so one thing I want you to keep in mind is on Easter, we're going to do communion. And if you um, are interested, there's some passages in 1 Corinthians. And uh, right now, my mind just went blank on where they are. 
Um, give me two seconds. Google's going to help me out. My wife's not in here to help me out today. Uh, hold on. Communion in Corinthians. <laughs> if I could just like go ahead and reiterate, I don't know where everything is in the Bible. It's okay to not know the answer. Um, you can find it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, so if you want to study a little bit about it, you can also find it in Matthew. Um, but uh, I generally go with the scriptures that, that, that uh, Paul uh, writes there in Corinthians because it calls us to repentance. And I believe that before we take communion, um, we should have repented. We should be preparing ourselves for it. So on, on Easter, we're going to take communion, a heads up. And so this series is going to run through Easter. It's going to run after Easter probably a little bit. But we're going to talk about some of God's redeeming rescues and you're like, but I don't know any stories in the Bible. Like, what are you talking about? Like, we're going to talk about some of my favorite stories in the Bible. Um, Rochelle asked a question. She's like, hey, do you know which story it is that we're going to be talking about? There was 30,000 people in the army that got reduced to 300. And I'm not talking about the movie 300. All those guys died. We're actually going to talk about the 300 that survived and, you know, won war. And it was a victory to God. Okay? Um, we're going to talk about that. But... Um, the whole purpose of this series is that God has always had a plan. He was never without a plan. It, he, has, he has been perfecting and working for his people from the beginning of time. And these three stories that I'm going to bring to you today, um, they're God's redeeming plan for his people. And it shows that he does fight on our behalf. And this sermon looks at the darkness and how God has always operated as the light. And his work is not contingent on the night. Remember that. His work is not contingent on your place in life. It's not contingent on the darkness. It's contingent on himself and him doing the work. So God has always operated in the light. So a focused scripture that I'm going to give you this week is Psalms 30, verse 5. Um, give me two seconds, and I'll put the scripture up on the, the board. I, uh, I thought maybe it would be good to actually, you know what, I'm not because, Noah, you got it? You have to hit the scriptures button first um, on the side, on the right side. You hit the scriptures button, and it'll work. There's a little, it says scriptures macro, and then it'll work. It's on the right side of the screen in ProPresenter. <laughs> I said left, I think. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and read this scripture. I, uh, this, is, this is Noah not having any training on the, on the thing. Um, so don't, don't blame Noah. Um, <laughs> he's doing what he's supposed to do. <laughs> he didn't know he was going to be doing it. So Psalms 30, verse 5, it says, For his anger lasts only a moment, but his favor a lifetime. Weeping may stay overnight, but there is joy in the morning. I want to encourage you today. If I could stand before you today, I want to encourage you and show you and tell you about the goodness of God. I believe that we serve a great and mighty God. I believe that we serve a strong God. I, I believe we serve a victorious God. And I want to stand here today and tell you some stories of times that, that God stood out and God worked mighty works through people, uh, through his power, his spirit. And so let's start in the darkness. God did some of his finest work in the darkness. In, in, in the night, God was doing his best work. And this brings us to the very beginning, Genesis chapter 1. And maybe you like look at this and you're like, but how does, how does that a story of victory? Genesis chapter 1, it's just, it's just, the, it's, it's just the, the story of creation. Well, let's look at this. In verses 1 through 5, it says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. There was evening, and there was an evening, and there was a morning one day. So, this right here, in the very beginning, here is God creating. There was nothing at the point, at, at, in the beginning, right? There's nothing. That, the earth was formless, but his spirit was moving on it. Think about this for a moment. You're like, how is this a story of victory? Imagine yourself with nothing. 
Imagine yourself, like maybe you view yourself as being uh, unlovable or unusable or unstable. And you're like, God, I have nothing to give you. I'm of no value to you. Like there's nothing. That's a prime position for God's spirit to begin to work in you. You may look at your life and truly believe that you have nothing to offer God. You're like, I, I don't have lots of money. I can't give. I, I don't have a lot of talent. I don't have anything that I can do. The reality is, is that God is looking for someone who is willing. He's looking for a willing vessel that will say yes to his plan. God did not move his spirit on the depths of the water because it was good. He was moving his, his spirits on the depths of the water over the earth because he was about to do something great in it. So when we feel the presence of God, it should be a sign that God loves us. It should be a sign that God cares about us and that he's about to do something great in our lives. So let's look at this. God was moving because God is God. God will move as God sees fit. But in Genesis 1 verse 31... It says, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Indeed, evening came and the morning, the sixth day. Okay, so this passage here, God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. It didn't say anything about it being good for God to move on it. It didn't say that creation was perfect and then God moved on it. It didn't say the earth was, had all this form and everything was perfect and then God moved on it. It didn't say that there was light. It said that there was darkness was upon the face of the earth. It was formless. There was nothing on it, but his spirit moved on it. I can look at this and I can know that even when I have nothing left to give God, I am in the prime position for God to move. When I am in the darkest of nights, God does his finest work. Creation was him creating his plan for you and I, that he loved us. So God did not move on the waters of the darkness because they were good, but when God began to craft, it became good. So some of us for so long have thought we were imperfect and unworthy. I'm not worthy of God. I am not, I'm not worthy. To, I can't do this. I, can't, I, I, I struggle with studying the word. I don't understand the Bible. We go through all of these things and we reason out why we can't serve God or why we can't do something for God instead of saying, well, God said I'm good, so I must be good, so I, I should follow with what he wants. So we think we're imperfect. We think we're unworthy. I struggle with it all the time. I told you guys that I struggle with the whole idea of like being a pastor, like that, that hasn't been something that like I always wanted to do in my life. Like it was like on my list of things I didn't want to do, you know, like <laughs> it literally was like at the very top of the list of the things I don't want to do with my life. And here I am, like God saw fit to bring a messed up person right here to do this. God can use you no matter the darkness that you're in because he is the light. So I want to point to you, you are my brothers and my sisters and you are perfect for the moving of God's spirit. You are ready for God to move upon you and begin to create within you something beautiful. You are ready for God to begin to craft something within you that, that, that is birthed and brings forth revival and renewing in your family, in your community. You see, what he created is good. What God has created is good. It's not bad. It didn't say that, oh, after he made everything, it was very bad indeed. You're like, but Zach, there's that scripture about Noah, about like how God repented that he made man. Have you ever had children? Okay, who in the room had children? Did anyone go, oh my goodness, that's hard. Like you wouldn't trade your children, right? You would be like, oh my gosh. You know, like I, yeah, you, you know, baby, there's she's Alicia's over there. Well, you know, <laughs> On certain days, I'd be like, you know what? I can't stand them. God, you can have them, okay? So it says that we were created in the image of God, right? So there are days that you're going to be like, my creation that God allowed me to create, I don't know what he was thinking, but I wish I could send it back. <laughs> I can believe it that my mom and dad probably thought that at some point. But I think that they're also like, oh, I love my children. You know, once they're like, 30 years old, they, they have produced grandchildren, they get to sit back and watch their child like struggle, you know, kind of thing. 
<laughs> oh, I'm going to go spoil that kid. <laughs> Is there any grandparents in the house? You know, I'm over there. Yeah, okay, good. There's some grandparents in here. Maybe you know what I'm talking about. Like, when you were younger, you were like, oh, I repented that I have made these children. Now when I'm older, I'm like, oh, I'm so glad that I had children. Look at these beautiful grandchildren I've got. <laughs> So it wasn't that God was like, oh, the creation is so bad. Like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have done this. It was, God was like, oh, I wish they wouldn't do this. It's the part that when your kid rebels against you and the rules, that that's the part you're like, I can't stand that part, but I love my kid. God was repenting that his, that his creation was rejecting him. He was upset that his creation would reject him and, and, and would turn away from him and turn to all these other things. It says in the Bible that it will be as it was in the days of Noah. It must have been pretty bad in the days of Noah. Um, but I don't know like how much worse it's going to get, like <laughs> kind of thing. So let's move on. So he had nothingness to create from. Your nothingness is so perfect. It's exactly where God wants you to be. The thing is, is are you willing to say yes? Are you willing to say, okay, God, I got nothing. I need you to touch my life. See, that's the beauty of God, is that I can come to him with absolutely nothing, and he creates something in me, that he touches and he moves his spirit upon me. Don't focus on the darkness in your life. The only time darkness is mentioned there in the beginning was in the very beginning, that's it. The darkness was separated from the light at that point. God separated the darkness from the light. And he called the day, day, you know, and he called the light day, and he called the night, night, you know, whatever. I don't, yeah, you can read the verses. You got to go through and read the whole thing, okay? Just so you know, I'm not telling you all the stories. You're going to have to go through and read them for yourself. But if we get focused on the darkness, all we will see is the darkness. We won't see the moving of God's spirit. We won't see what he's done in our life. We'll be focused on this moment in time. We'll just be looking at this. All I see is darkness. I keep tripping. I keep falling. I keep knocking over myself. I can't walk straight. Just hold on. Stop. Like, just stop for a moment and let God's spirit move on you. Let him create something in you and move you. Remind yourself that darkness and night are only temporary. Psalms 30, verse 5, right? The weeping may stay overnight. You may have a little bit of an overnight stay with weep weeping, weeping. Weeping may come over for a night and hang out with you, and you may have a sleepover with weeping. But the promise is that joy comes in the morning, that as the day comes and the light comes, I can know that there is joy coming. When there's weeping, it should be a reminder that joy is coming. When there's darkness, you should remember that it's only night right now and the light, the greater one, is coming to rule the day. And I need that and I'm just going to stay focused on what is coming. I know that my Savior is coming. I know that the night is going to pass and the day will be. So when you're stuck in the darkness of your life, you're stuck in that night, don't focus on it. Don't get caught up on it. <clears throat> and maybe, maybe it is night in your life right now and you feel like the enemy is ready to destroy you. Maybe you look over your life and you're like, I have had so much in my life and now I have nothing. I feel like God has stripped me of everything. I want to share with you a story. In chapter six of Judges, there's a man, and his name is Gideon. I love the story of Gideon. It's, it's just like one of the one most in, one of one of the one of the most encouraging scriptures. Gideon, he's he's like the angel of the Lord comes to him. I love this. It's one of my favorite parts there. The angel of the Lord comes to him and he's like, You're a mighty warrior. And he's like, oh, I think you called the wrong house, man. <laughs> you got the wrong guy. <laughs> You're going to have to read that for yourself, Judges chapter 6. But, but Gideon's like, no, I didn't like, <laughs> you got the wrong guy. <laughs> no way. Um, the angel of the Lord is speaking like, this is what I see in you. And he's like, no, 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 no. Who does that sound like? <laughs> God's speaking things into your life and you're like, oh, no, <laughs> wrong person, God. I know that it wasn't for me. I don't receive that. <laughs> when someone speaks something over your life and you're like, oh, <laughs> 
dead wrong. <laughs> I'm full of anxiety, worry, doubt, fear. <laughs> I name, I list all the bad qualities, none of the good. Like, good, it couldn't be me. Like, there couldn't be something good within me, right? Like, we, 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 I feel like sometimes we just believe that. It's not about what we believe. It's about what God speaks. So in that moment, it, wasn't, it didn't matter what Gideon believed about himself. It was what God believed about Gideon that mattered. God saw the value in Gideon, and God sees value in you. So let's look at this story. Judges chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. It says, the Lord said, Gideon, you have too many troops. What? <laughs> you have too many troops for me to hand the Midianites over to them, or else Israel might elevate themselves over me and say, I saved myself. There was a reason God said, you have too many troops. Because he didn't want the Israelites to be like, oh, we are so powerful. We got this. We did it ourselves. How many of you like get something done and you're like, I did that. That was me. That is what God wanted to avoid, the cocky attitude, you know, like, the, look what I can do. I did that on my own. Verse 3 says, now announce to the troops, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. There's 32,000 men who have showed up to fight. And God's like, nah, you got too many. You may be in your life right now and being like, that's what I feel like. Like, I feel like I had all these things, and then God was, like, taking things out of my life. Could it be that he was positioning you for the greatest victory in your life? Listen to this story. Now, announce to the troops, whoever is fearful and trembling may turn back and leave Mount Gilead. So 22,000 of the troops turned back, but 10,000 remained. You know what? There's been times in your life you're like, you know what? Yeah, maybe God took that from me, but you know what? I'm still good. I've still got this. Gideon probably had this like sense of confidence still. Okay, I think we can still do this with 10. 22,000, could you, like 22,000 people, that's like two Detroit lakes, you know, that get up and walk out like, and then there's like Detroit lakes left. Maybe that's what happens there. <laughs> now, that's more people in this number than there are in Detroit lakes. So here in this passage, we see 20,000 people get up and walk away like, you didn't buy into it? You didn't believe that we could do this? Like, if you're, fear, if you're fearful, like, okay, yeah, I can't do this anymore. Like, I would feel pretty good if I was one of the 10,000. I'd be like, okay, I at least hung out for a little while in a skirt like everybody else was. Weak, you know? Um, and so, but I could see, like, maybe Gideon being a little, a little worried, but then also having, like, this confidence. Like, okay, we got this. So, Gideon... In verses 4 through 7, this is what happens next. It says, the Lord said to Gideon, there are still too many troops. Take them down to the water, and I will test them for you there. If, if I say to you, this one can go with you, he can go. But if I say about anyone, this one cannot go with you, he cannot go. That right there would freak me out. <laughs> the God goes, hey, I want you to go down there. I'm going to test them for you. I'm going to make sure you get the best. I'll be like, oh, God, are you really going to test them for me? Because you just tested 22,000 of them, and they just got up and walked off. <laughs> How many am I going to have left whenever you get done testing everybody? You're like looking at yourself, God, I'm tired of being tested. Like, can you stop taking everything out of my life? Well, here we go. Let's look and see what happens. So he brought the troops down to the water in verse 5. And the Lord said to Gideon, separate everyone who laps with water, uh, his tongue like a dog. Do the same with everyone who kneels to drink. So before I move on to verse 6, I had to really read this because I was like, what does this mean? One who laps like a dog. Well, when I looked at it, there were some pictures depicting it. It would be like the, the people who would have gotten down like this and laid on the edge and like not lapped like a, a, a dog, like literal, you know, licking the water. People can't do that. It wouldn't, wouldn't do anything. But it was like who, the people who got distracted and looked down and like, you know, got into the water and was just like getting everything. That's what that one went. The kneeling guys, the ones who knelt and drank with water, they knelt and they scooped the water up. 
Okay? They were drinking like this. They were staying aware of their surroundings. It's really important that we stay aware of our surroundings. So God was delivering Gideon, the special forces. <laughs> the 300 that were left after this, 9,700 men, God's like, okay, I'm going to take these ones away. You got 300. Well, God, in all of Israel, we've only got 300 men that are going to go and fight with me. When you start to look at the story of Gideon and you see what happens later, you got to have some faithful people. And the more that you press for faith, the fewer there are in the group. The further you go in your relationship with God and fully trust him, the fewer there are in the pack. I promise you this, as you press forward and you seek God, there will be some things in your life and there will be some people that just all of a sudden, they don't align anymore with the word of God. They don't align anymore. And you're like, you know what? I don't want to cut you out of my life, but God will just kind of do it for you because they'll be like, I don't, you're crazy. You got too much faith. You, 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 you got, you're too bold to, to do this because the story goes on how, on what God does for them. Let's read this. It says the number of those who lapped with their hands to their mouth was 300 men, and all the rest of the troops knelt to drink water. The Lord said to Gideon, I will deliver you with the 300 men who lapped and handed the Midianites over to you, but everyone else is to go home. He takes the 9,700 men, and I could imagine for a moment that maybe Gideon was a little afraid. God, why are you taking everything from me? We had 32,000 people, and here we are with 300, 1% of what was left. What if you gave God your 1%? What if you gave all of your 1% to God? What could he do with it? Think about it for just a moment because this is Gideon. He's got 1% of what he had and he gives it to God. He puts it forward to him. And in Judges 7, 19 through 21, listen to this, Gideon and the hundred men who were with him went to the outpost of the camp at the beginning of the middle of the watch after the sentries had been stationed. Now, God gives Gideon some specific instructions on this battle. He has separated these 300 men into companies of 100. And they're positioned around the camp. And they're told to blow the horn, to blow the ram's horn. They are told to break a pot and to have a torch. That doesn't sound like a very strategic fight, right? That just, that sounds terrible. Like, why would, why would I go to battle when I could have 32,000 people? That would have probably at least scared the enemy. You want me to wave a flashlight around and blow a trumpet and, and, and break a pot? Okay. You see, God isn't looking for the most talented person. God isn't looking for someone. He's just looking for someone who can use the wind that he gave them to blow the trumpet to break that cheap little clay pot and to lift up his light. That's all he's looking for is you just got to be willing to shine that light. You just got to be willing to give God the praise. So when I read this, it, it says that, the, that um, uh, they blew their ram's horns and broke the pitchers that were in their hand. In verse 20, it says, the three companies blew their ram's horns and shattered their pitchers. They held their torches in their left hand and their ram's horns to blow in their right hand. And they shouted a sword for the Lord and for Gideon. As each Israelite took his position around the camp, the entire Midianite army began to run and they cried out as they fled. The Midianite army was the army that was camped there sleeping, okay? They were sitting there in the sentries. You know, they hear the trumpets and they hear the 300... I can't imagine what 300 of these ram's horns sound like. Have you ever heard a shofar? Has anyone ever heard a shofar? That's like a ram's horn. It's like this big thing. Like 300 of those things? <laughs> that would be a little scary, I think, actually. Like I've heard one go off and it freaked me out. So <laughs> could you imagine 300 of those go off? And then, and then you have 300 clay pots being broken and then 300 torches coming up. Like what can God do with what seems so little in the middle of the night? He can take it and make it so great. When they saw this, when Gideon's army blew this, the 300 ram's horns, the Lord caused the men in the whole army, this is verse 22, to turn on each other with their swords. They fled to Acacia, um, Acacia house in the direction of Zerah as far as the border of Abel Molah near Tabatha. Tabith. Tabith. 
<laughs> not Tabitha. Tabitha's back there. <laughs> you see, the enemy lost their minds because 300 people broke some pots, blew some ram's horns, and shouted. That just don't make sense to me, right? It doesn't make sense. Like, strategic, like, if you ask the army, hey, you think you could run this play on, uh, on Afghanistan, you know, or Al-Qaeda, you know, like the Taliban, you think you could run this play on them? Like, you think that would work? They'd be like, nah, nah, no, we got better things. We got predator drones now, you know, and like all this other stuff. We can just, you know, do whatever we want now. We don't need to blow some horns. <laughs> they look at you like you were crazy. And I think like even in that, in that you know, older time, in, the, in that battlegrounds, thinking about this, like that wouldn't make sense to me as to why would I do this. But if you look at the context of what the Israelites knew, they knew when they marched around the walls of Jericho and they shouted and they blew the trumpets and the walls came crumbling down, that story never died. They kept looking back on the goodness of God and what God had done in their life. And so when you look at that and you're like, I know that God is able then, so he's able now. He hasn't changed from then. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. My God does not change. And so if he will do it by delivering a city to me with blowing of the trumpets of horns and shouting, well, I know that he can deliver this army. I know that he can destroy it. So here in this passage here, they get up and he blows the trumpet and they begin to, the enemy goes nuts and starts to kill themselves. Imagine if you began to worship God with your 1% that you've got, God, I give you praise, I give you glory, just 1%, and just give him a little bit of praise, what could God do with that to confuse the enemy that's been attacking you, the enemy that's been oppressing you, the enemy that's been discouraging you? What if you gave your voice to God and began to shout with a voice of triumph? Yes, God, I believe it, God. What you said is true. And you began to worship him with some boldness and some truth believing that God was able. What do you think he could do? See, this is a story of the nighttime. This is a story of when it didn't seem like the Israelites could win the battle. And, and what God had done is he had reduced this army so far down. And maybe you feel like you've got nothing left. You are in the prime place for God to work. You're in the prime place for God to work the most beautiful thing in your life because you're in the night of your life and his finest work has been done throughout the night. I'm so thankful. Maybe those stories don't resonate with you. Maybe you're sitting by the wayside. You've seen God work, but not in your life. Or maybe just not in a while. Maybe you sit here today feeling defeated, even though you've seen God work, you still feel defeated. You can't seem to shake the lie that the enemy has told you. You can't figure out what's going on, and, and you're worried about the next day. You're worried about next week. You're worried about paying the bills. You're worried about all of these things in your life, and you can't focus on God. You're stuck in this darkness. <clears throat> I want to share with you a story of another person. A lot of times we look at the characters in the Bible as these great individuals. But we normally talk about their great stories, not their beginnings. Let's look at this guy. This man is a prophet of God. And the story that we, man, one of my favorite stories is Elijah, where he goes up on the mountain and he is got this sacrifice, the prophets of Baal are up there doing their thing and they're cutting themselves and he's like mocking them and all this stuff. And, and then he gets up there and he repairs the altar, gets it ready and God sends fire, bam, consumes the everything. But then I think it's Jezebel says, I'm gonna kill him. And, and Elijah believes this. Like he, he just like goes ahead and buys it. Well, if, if Jezebel said it, I guess that's what's going to happen. And he gets afraid and he runs away. Like the guy that was on the top of the mountain, the guy that prayed like a three-sentence prayer, it was like 13 words or something like that. And bam, the fire consumes the altar and everything around him. And everyone was like, oh my gosh. Yeah, we were definitely following the wrong God. You know, like they, they're like, oh, let's, to their, heart, their hearts are turned back. But Elijah becomes afraid. Chapter 18 of 1 Kings paints Elijah <laughs> 
almost as nearly untouchable. But just flip to 19, and you begin to see his humanity. In chapter 18, he goes up on the mount. They've been with, uh, without water. It's, it's famine, and, and it's a drought. And, and he gets up there and begins to pray and sends his servant up there. It's like seven times. Poor guy has to keep running up the mountain. If I was a servant, I'd lose weight. I'd have to keep running up the mountain back and forth. And so finally, there's this, he comes back and says, there's a cloud, but it's the size of a man's hand. But then it says, I hear the sound of abundance of Man, there is so much power. And he gets up and he tells King Ahab, he's like, get up, so that the rain doesn't stop you. And I look at this and we get to number nine, uh, first Kings chapter 19, right away. Verse three, it says, then Elijah became afraid and immediately ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba that belonged to Judah, he left his servant there. But he went on a day's journey into the wilderness. He sat down under a broom tree and prayed that he might die. He said, I have had enough, Lord. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors. This is what Elijah said. Elijah, the guy that like, the, the, the fire comes down from heaven, the guy who prayed, like the guy that, they saw the abundance of rain, the man's hands, and he's like, God, I've had enough. Of what? Like, amazing? Like, seeing cool things happen? Like, what have you had enough? He was running for his life. He was trying to escape the attack of the enemy. And sometimes we just continually run and we, 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 we are afraid of what's coming after us and we, we don't stop and we get to this point where we have finally get out there and we sit under the tree and we're like, God, just take my life. I just want to die. You, you don't have to raise your hand, but there's got to be someone in this place that knows what Elijah was feeling that day. I know what Elijah was feeling that day. you imagine like darkness isn't just physical but darkness is spiritual and sometimes the darkness that we are facing is something that's internal something that we're fighting in our mind there's a battleground that's being waged in our mind the enemy throws his lies in and we buy it i'm not good enough i'm not a great warrior i could never stand up with just a little bit that i had and and, and give it to god Elijah asked God to take his life. This sounds like exhaustion and depression to me. You get to this point and you just can't make it anymore. Even God's greatest warriors have had faults. <coughs> so if you've got faults today, if you've got some deficiencies in your life, you're unstable, un unstable, unstable, unlovable, <laughs> unforgiving, you are in a place where God can work on you. You want to begin to forgive? You're going to have to start. You want, you want to be someone who's victorious? You, I've never had victory in my life. Have you ever followed Jesus? I promise you, you can. Maybe the position that you're in right now has God been reducing some things, pulling some things out of your life because he wants to show you it's not about you, but it's about him and his greatness, that everything that happens is because he gets the glory in every mistake, in everything that God is going to receive glory because he's God almighty. God is a restorative God. If you've messed up, you've walked away from God and you've gone all crazy and everything, it's okay. God is a restorative God. He loves you. I want to make sure that we restore our brothers and sisters who walk away, who fall away. I want to see them restored to God. In verse 5 through 8, it says, Then he laid down and slept under a broom tree. Suddenly an angel touched him. The angel told him, Get up and eat. Then he looked, and there was... There at his head was a loaf of bread baked over hot stones and a jug of water. So he ate and drank and laid down again. You need to eat and drink of the goodness of God. You need to hunger and thirst after righteousness and begin to take what God has laid before you, his word. Then the angel of the Lord returned for a second time, verse 7, and touched him. He said, get up and eat or the journey will be too much for you. 
There's a journey that's coming that you're going to have to make. So eat up. Get a hold of God right now because if you don't, the journey will be too much for you. Everybody's got a journey that you're going to make. There are going to be some hard places in that journey. And if in these moments that you don't begin to embrace God, in those moments that you don't begin to seek God with your whole heart and find him, you are going to struggle in those moments. You're going to feel like, where is God? Why has he left me? Why has he forsaken me? He didn't forsake you. He provided for you. But you rejected the promise that he had for you because you were so stuck in the darkness. Don't be stuck in the darkness if you can hear me today. Don't stay stuck in the darkness look to the light weeping is just an overnight stay i promise that the joy comes in the morning that god is there for you that he loves you it was his redemptive rescues all throughout the bible that paint this beautiful picture of how great god is that he loves his people (coughs) you may be in despair right now and in the very middle of the night you're full of terror you may feel like you're surrounded by weeping, but, but, but I can tell you that God is not leaving you. Don't depart from him. Don't walk away from him. Pick up his word, what he's given to feed you and consume everything that you can. God, feed me. God, I need a touch from your spirit. God, it says uh, the woman at the well, right? There's that woman. She's like, I've got, Jesus says, I've got water that, that, that you never thirst again. You need to drink of that water. Drink of what God has for you. He loves you and cares about you. God will will sustain you on your darkest days. He's providing for you in this moment so that when it gets harder, you're able to stand. He will give you the rest that you need. Look at that. Elijah goes, he lays down. The angel comes, wakes him up, feeds him, and lets him take a nap again. Well, that's pretty awesome. Scripture of what a sandwich and a nap can do for you. <laughs> I gotta make a joke. Like, there's not enough laughing going on here today. <laughs> Sometimes we've got to step back, evaluate our life. You know what? I do need some rest. I, we struggle with taking the rest. We feel like as if we can't, if I take rest, if I take something personal, I'm, you know, like, then, then I'm not doing everything I can for God. That's not true. That's a lie that Satan would love to sell you. Be weary. Don't be weary in well-doing. For in due season, you'll reap if you faint not. Don't get weary. Yeah, there's going to be times it gets hard and, and you struggle. But you know what? Keep focusing on God. Keep your hands on the plow and keep going forward. So you may be facing some type of darkness today. That, feel, that you feel you can't overcome. Maybe you have gotten into this position in your life that you feel you can't make it. I'm gonna give you a story. You know what, I hate sharing this story because I don't think it's fully true. But it's uh, <laughs> one of my favorite stories. Um, you know how like war stories get shaped and changed over time and you know like the victor writes history, right? Well, um, Early, there's, a, there's this one, there's this, there's this position, it's in Sun Tzu's Art of War, and it's called Death Ground. I've talked about it before, and Death Ground is putting yourself in this position where the only way to win is fighting out. And it says in this book that, that this position is the most dangerous for the enemy because when you are in this position, you've got nothing else to lose but to fight out. So let's say you've been positioned in this Death Ground. So there's this story and I will just call it just a story. But Cortez, he comes to the country seeking, you know, the gold of the Aztec Indians and all that fun stuff. And so he gets to the, sh- he gets to the shore in his three ships, and he says, let's burn the ships. Like, I don't think, like, why would you, why would you burn the ships, man? Like, now you can't leave at all. So obviously someone's ship wasn't burnt. But uh, because Cortez, you know, whatever happened with him. Um, But uh, in this story, this great war story, Cortez says, let's burn the ships. And the only way to fight is through them and we'll sail home on the enemy's ships. Now, when you think about it like that, that's kind of a cool story. Like, I see why people share that. They're like, 
Yeah, I burned my ships and sailed home on the enemy. <laughs> kind of like that one story of like the lady who's been praying for groceries and the atheist next door like comes and brings the groceries to her and she's like, oh, thank you, Lord. And the, and the, and the atheist pops out and says, ah, it wasn't, the, it wasn't God, it was me. And she's like, oh, thank you, Lord, and thank you for letting the devil pay for it. <laughs> you know, it's kind of like that kind of concept right there. Like, what if, like, like you're like, that's funny. That's, that, that's, 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 that's funny. Yeah, it is. It's hilarious, but that's really the, 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 idea, the idea that we should have of the enemy is that he's not very bright. You know, he'd be like, oh, well, I'm going to buy them groceries. And you know what? <laughs> then I'm going to jump out and be like, see, I told you there was no God. I told you you should have had that doubt. And you're like, but, but God provided. He may have used an idiot, but like he, he provided. So <laughs> it's okay. I'm going to take the goodness that God has provided. And thank you, kind sir. <laughs> well, what if like maybe it was something else? Maybe it was something a little bit different. God was saying, I love you. I care about you. But the enemy was like, he doesn't love you. You've done too many mistakes. There's no way God could love you. But God's like providing for you. And we're like, believe what the enemy said. Yeah, you're right. I'm unlovable. I'm so unstable in all my ways. You know, like that's what that scripture was written about. It was written about me. I'm unstable in all my ways. <laughs> the reality is, is you may be facing this darkness and a position, you may be positioned in this place where you see that there's no escape, but what if that was the most perfect position for you? That God could deliver the most powerful victory that you've ever experienced. You see, you're in the perfect place if you feel empty and have no value because you're the perfect place for God to begin crafting in you. When, you, when you're, you're in the perfect place to give birth to what he has planned for you. So maybe you feel like God's taken from you. God's pulled all these things from you and you, you feel like you're left with nothing and the enemy surrounds you. Then it's, you're in position for God to deliver. One of those stories, like in the Bible, where you can have victory and it can be a memorial that you look back on of the goodness of God and how great he is. It may not make sense, but God can use your shout to confuse the enemy that the enemy begins to attack itself. Like, that's what happened with Gideon. Like, if I didn't clarify that for you, I'm sorry. But the enemy attacks themselves and starts killing each other because of the shout that goes forward. Like, what if you did that? The enemy just got so confused. It was like, oh, let's attack us. Think about it. <laughs> like, you're like, that sounds stupid, Zach. I know. <laughs> Sounded stupid then, too. But you know what? I serve the same God. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if he can deliver victory back then, if he can create something from nothing, if he can, if he can deliver someone who's, who's felt depressed, and I know that God can still do it today. I still serve that same God. I still believe that. So what if I stand here? I just want to stand, and I want to attest to the goodness of God. If you're feeling like Elijah sitting under the broom tree and, and, and so hungry and, and depressed and, and defeated and exhausted, I want to tell you there's rest. He's, it says in Psalms 23 that, that he'll give us rest, that he will provide for us. In, in the presence of our enemies, he prepares a table for us. The enemy is going to watch you feast. The enemy is going to watch you have victory because God is a good God. He's a just God. So we've got to put our faith and trust in him. So if there's anything I can do, I want to tell you that God is a sustainer, that God is a helper, that he is a righteous God, that he loves you, that he doesn't, he has not forsaken you. He has not left you. And so while you're still struggling right now in this moment, Maybe you're struggling physical. Maybe you're struggling in a spiritual sense. It doesn't matter. The darkness that you're in is just a moment. Look to the light. God separated the darkness from the light. So don't worry. You're just in a temporary place. Keep your eyes on the hills from whence comes your help. Because I know my help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I know where my help comes from. Do you know where your help comes from today? I know that my help comes from the Lord. Put your faith and trust in him. Know that he is there 
in the darkest night, in the trials that you face, he's there and that he loves you and he cares about you. Know that the morning is coming and with it comes joy. Know that joy is coming. You've struggled, you have fought, you have fought in your family, you have fought in your marriage, you have fought in everything that you can think of. You're like, everything is a fight. I'm tired of fighting. I can't make it anymore. Keep holding on, please. If there's anything I can do, if I can throw a rope to you right now, keep hope alive. Keep, keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't give up. Don't buy the lie of the enemy. He loves you. I promise he does. Don't worry. I know it's darkness, but light is coming. I promise. Just keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the hills. Keep looking up because I know that's where your help comes from. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Don't get stuck where you are right now feeling that you have nothing, that God has forsaken you. I want to tell you that he's going to create something within you because he loves you. He found that you were good a long time ago from the very beginning of creation. He saw that you were good. He loves you. He cares about you. And he has not forsaken or forgotten you. He cares about you. So if there's anything that I can do, I want to tell you, you can be victorious. I want to tell you that God does love you. I want to tell you that God does care about you. And if there's anything that I can talk about throughout this series, it's going to be the goodness of God and how great God is. And that he has always been redeeming his people. He's always had a plan of salvation. He's always had a plan of rescue for you and for me. So no matter where you are in your life, you can know that God is able. As this song plays, if you need prayer, if you're feeling discouraged, if you're feeling anything, I want to invite you to come up here. But don't let anyone come alone. Surround them and let's make them know that right now in this moment, that there's a church that's praying for them, that there's a people of God that believes. So if you want to join these that come up here, maybe you don't want prayer, but you want to pray for someone, please join me and help me pray with anyone who comes. Oh, Jesus. Cause all I 
know is it true? All my life you have been so, so good With every breath that I am able I will sing I'm gonna sing Of the goodness of God Oh yes, I sing of the goodness of God Hallelujah. Oh, yes. You have been faithful. All my life you have been so, so good. And oh, with every breath that I am made. Oh, yes, I will see. love him. God, we worship you. We thank you, Jesus. God, we sing of your goodness. God, we worship you. Hallelujah, Jesus. If you can leave with anything today, know that God is good. Then maybe you're in a tough situation, but his goodness is still there. Look back on the times that he has done and moved in your life. Remind yourself of the goodness of God that has happened in your life and what he's done for you. Here's your questions for reflection. What story do you identify with? Maybe it's all three, maybe it's just one of them. Do you feel like you're stuck in the darkness right now? And do you wanna get out? What is stopping your shout? Those are your three questions. If you wanna write them down or something, come ask me, I'll give them to you again. But those are your three questions. As we leave today, let's pray. God, I thank you for meeting us here today, God. God, I pray that you keep everyone safe as we travel home. God, that you would be with us today and this week, God, that you would go before us, God. Help us to know you are victorious. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Amen. amen.